Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the Super Bowl edition of the DFS Dreaming of a Baby Bowl Win podcast. I I hope my guys understand what I did there, Sid, because I have Rob <laughs> Norton and Pierre on with me this evening. And I'm just mashing up both shows. We're mashing up both the shows to kind of give you a showdown slate, to give you a little perspective on the Baby Bowl and the Super Bowl altogether. But I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get a hold of both of these guys to get them on the podcast at the same time to pick their brain about how to build a showdown lineup, but also just to see how life was treating them in the Baby Bowl and what their thoughts were on the Super Bowl. So let me welcome in. I, I okay. I Rob, I'm going to let you sit. You're the visitor here because we usually do DFS Dreamer podcast a little bit earlier than the Baby Bowl podcast. Uh, I'm going to let you call it heads or tails to be introduced first. Go ahead, Rob. Call it heads or tails. Tails never fails. I'm going with tails. Tails. Okay. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, Lou, welcome into the show. Pierre at Peewee31 over on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow as as well as me at Loafinet on Twitter. Don't forget to follow Show at FI today with a little underscore. Hello, Pierre. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. Glad he called tails because I would have called tails too. So that, that worked out in my favor. But doing, doing good. Excited, set. You know, this is it. This is the the NFL finale, uh, the big game, the Super Bowl. So it's been a great season. Uh, it's been fun, but sad it's coming to an end. Yes, I think we're in week 34 of the NFL season right now, Rob, is what it kind of feels like. I, I know it, it, it's right here at the end, but with the extended season this year, it feels like it's going on a long, long time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, that that extra that extra week thrown in there pushes it back, and it definitely feels like it's been been a long time. But um, I have the same kind of feelings as Pierre. I mean, it's it's been fun. Uh, it's kind of sad it's coming to an end. And that, of course, is Rob Norton at Norton0723. He is the daddy of the Baby Bowl. Pierre, I don't know if you know this or not, but I Rob has allowed me to be an uncle of the Baby Bowl now. I'm like the crazy uncle, yeah. the guy who parks the RV out in the driveway at Christmas time and then, you know, does you know that kind of guy. That pretty guy. fitting. That's a pretty fitting role for you, actually. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> hey, speaking of that, we've got one week left of the Bay Bowl Playoff Edition. It's been very successful this year. I think we set new records this year, Rob, as far as the amount of participants. And and you've also been able to set new records then donating to the charities that you donated to. Tell everybody and bring everybody up to speed if they happen to be tuning in for the first time. Yeah, definitely. So the playoff uh, version, we had 117 participants, which is definitely the first time it's broke 100. So that was that was really awesome to see. Um, obviously, it was twenty dollars uh, per entry, with half of it going to donations. So we are gonna donate 1170 to the two different charities, and then we also also had seventy dollars extra on the side that uh, a few different people uh, threw into the pot. So the total donation is uh, twelve twelve hundred forty dollars. That, that's cool. That's that's really cool to hear about all those things. And, and Pierre, this was the first time you actually participated in the entire Baby Bowl season, if I am not mistaken. And I always like to describe it like it, it breaks up the monotony of setting lineups, even the DFS strategies or setting up redraft lineups or anything like that. Baby Bowl is unique competition in and of itself. And I think that you enjoyed it this year, Pierre. I did. Yeah. First time uh, a part of the regular season, which didn't go as well as I thought it would. I, I thought I'd have a little leg up, you know, coming into the, the playoffs late last year, and it, it did not. But it helped me. Going through the regular season, I feel like, helped me going into the playoffs. And um, I'm in. I'm in striking distance. I don't know if I can get there, uh, depending on who everyone has left or remaining. But I, I gave myself a shot. I, I, I got a little bit going on. We'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I, I got a little bit going on, too. I think I got some players left myself there, buddy, Ro. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. Rob, I did not believe you whenever you put out the top 10 and you actually cracked the top 10 uh, uh, people in, you know, in, in the baby bowl playoffs right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I went with the very use them now strategy, so I'm not in great shape <laughs> heading into this game. So I, I don't expect to stay in the top 10. Um, I'm going to need some, some weird things to happen probably for me to stay in the top 10, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You never know what can happen. Now I finished in the top 10 of that last week. I can't remember who it was that ended up winning that last week. I know I finished right on the outskirts of that top 10 or number 10 or something like that, which is pretty cool, uh, because we do put work into this. And if I wouldn't have messed up, if I would have been in that bread truck all alone and playing Randall Cobbs and stuff like that in the week number two, I'd be really close striking distance, I think. But I think I still got a shot at it. But who, who ended up winning that last week, Rob, before, uh, the, the, the little vacation that we took last week? There was, um, Peter Scherzer on oh, yeah. on Twitter, Pistol Pete, I think yeah. is uh, the handle. Yeah, 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 Pistol Pete. We tried to work it out to where we can get on here. Just the schedules were not be able to be compa- uh, co co in what what would we say co in uh, go inside. Coincide, coincide. The schedules weren't able to get together there to be able to put the, put Pete on here. But this week we do want to talk not about necessarily the baby bowl strategy because we don't have baby bowl strategy left, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's no more baby bowl strategy. You play them <laughs> if you got them this week. Uh, do you think anybody at all, Rob, has any kind of like, can that, I should I play Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford this week? You think anybody's got that selection? I do, actually. Um, do you? I, I, yeah, because I, I used. Hurts, Josh Allen, and then Mahomes last week. So, um, yeah, I, I that's but that's about the only decision I have. Um, so the only yeah, as I say, about the only decision that I think most people are really gonna have is uh, which quarterback to play. Honestly, um, I mean, and also I guess which tight end to play, unless you're tra- unless you don't have enough and you're playing both. But and and who knows if if they're gonna play, but. Um, yeah, other than that, like you said, it's pretty much most people are going to be playing all the top receivers and running backs that they got left. Yeah, and this week, the Super Bowl, of course, is against the from the Los Angeles Rams against the Cincinnati Bengals being played in Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. And it, right now it's sitting at a 48 and a half point spread. Pierre, without letting the cat out of the bag of who you're going to choose in this game, kinda, you think that that, that total is going to go over? You think that total is going to go under? Is it going to be a defensive game, an offensive shootout? How do you think that's going to go? Uh, well, I feel like both defenses are sound, like really solid defenses. Uh, obviously, the Rams have the the names. You know, they have mm-hmm. the Donalds, the Ramseys, but Bengals defense has, has held their own as well. So it's tough. It's, it's tougher than you think. It's indoors, you know, with the, the whole Los Angeles aspect of it. It's the tough part. I, I tend to like to go the opposite of what the, the public's going, and right now the public's going under, so I'm going to say over. Uh, we've got about 80% of the money uh, on the under right now, which I have it at 48 and a half. So I, I'm going to go over uh, just based off of the sheer volume of folks that are have money on the under. I, I could see you. I could see why you would do that. And yes, you're right. I mean, Cincinnati, that last game made Patrick Mahomes look like like he had his worst half of football. I guess <laughs> I, I, I didn't remember back to the Super Bowl when the Buccaneers were just sacking him left and right. But I mean, he just couldn't get anything done, Rob, in that AFC championship game. Yeah, that was that was surprising, honestly. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I, I honestly don't know what to make of that. If if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had a question. I, I had a question because Rob said he played Hurts, then uh, Allen, then Mahomes. So I'll get my strategy out since we're at the end. So I only play one side at quarterback. Um, that way, I'm guaranteed to have an actual quarterback available come the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So why would why would you mix? I'm curious of your your thoughts there on why you would go NFC and AFC and take that risk, I guess. So I usually do too. Um I generally do too, but after if you think about it after Hurts the first so the first week I played Hurts thinking that they were going to lose and I just figured they were going to have to pass more often. We've seen Hurts, you know, all season basically come through in garbage time, which he really didn't in the, in that game, so mm-hmm. that didn't really work out, but once he lost at that point, it's a full clean slate, so I didn't have to worry about Hertz getting to the Super Bowl. So I, no matter if I picked AFC the rest of the way, I was guaranteed an NFC quarterback since he was already out. So I, I got you. so once once he was out, yeah, I I basically decided from that point on I'm going AFC quarterbacks only, um, trying to get Allen, Mahomes, Burrow possibly depending on how the how it shook out, and uh, just just playing AFC only, and then just play the NFC uh, quarterback in the Super Bowl. It, it amazes me whenever I hear you guys talk about people you've played in the past because I remember playing Hurts that first week, but I don't think I would have remembered that unless you said that you played him, Rob, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I did too. I have no <laughs> idea who I played the second. None whatsoever. All I can remember is Randall Cobb. Hey, uh, showdown showdown lineups. That's the only game we got going on here this week as far as DFS strategies go or anything. I, I got to pick both of your brains, and it seems like to me – Neither one of you two, when I've asked you questions about playing showdown games or showdown lineups, neither one of you really get too much into that. It, it, why is that, Rob? Why don't you build more lineups on a, on a showdown strategy instead of just GPPs or 50-50s or anything like that? So with when it comes to showdown, um, it kind of – one, I'm, I'm, I just have recognized that I'm not as good as at showdown lineups as I am – just regular main slates and things like that, multi-game slates. Um, there's a lot less to choose from. Feels like you know every every pick is you know so much more. I guess you would say chalky, uh, and then at the same time, so much more variance considering it all comes down to one one game. Um, so that's kind of kind of it for me. It's it's been a little bit more uncomfortable building lineups and really liking what I'm doing. And then also in terms of like the GPP strategy of it, you know, I've talked about, you know, all year on Twitter talking about embracing the variance when you're talking, when you're building GPP lineups, you know, and my biggest advice to people has been like, you don't know as much as you think, you know, and to, to really embrace that fact and basically play it from that point. Um, when you're, when you're playing, you know, um, big time GPPs, then you're going to really want to embrace the variance, embrace the, embrace the unknown. And with, when it comes to this, it's just harder for me to really figure out what's going to be fully, you know, the, the chalkier bills, the chalkier, this and that, and, and what, what really is it going to come down to in terms of ownership percentages and things like that. I got you. I got you. Same same question to you, Pierre, a little bit there, because I know you don't really play these showdown games or contests too much. Yeah, so for me, it's it's more a a multi multi entry players dream. 
uh, when it comes to showdowns. You're, as he mentioned, it's one game. So you look at the contest, and most people are chasing. Yeah, I always preach, you know, double up, single entry. That's how you actually make a profit. But a lot of your your casuals and your sharps are chasing those big contests, millionaire makers, etc. And when you are someone like me, I just play, you know, a couple lineups, usually one across the board. Um, my odds aren't great in showdowns. When you got one game, there is less variance. Plus, you're you're so so it could be duped pretty easily uh, just based off the options that you have. So for me, I just, I mean, it's tough because just looking at your, your top players, you know, most people are going to put them in the, the captain. So then you, you try to get cute, you know, not put like a cup, for example, in your captain spot, which you'll get into. Uh, if he doesn't do great, then you're going to give yourself an advantage. If he does great, then you're, you're kind of in there with the rest of the field um, so there's really not that much of uh, leverage, I guess you could say, in showdown slates uh, for someone like me who does, you know, single entry type plays, only plays a lineup or two. If I'm going up against someone that has 150 in there, odds yeah. are I'm going to need to hit the nuts, as they say, and everything just fall into place, uh, which is really tough to do <laughs> one game for sure. That's, yeah, that's true. I was going to say, if you don't mind uh, – me piggybacking off of that, I think yeah. a perfect point he put there was about the um, about when you're you're playing like um, one when it's one game versus the the amount of games on a normal main slate. When you understand which guys are going to be super chalky, you're able to on a main slate. Like if you're playing G, if you're if you are playing GPPs, you are able to get more leverage um, by building with good players. Still though, like you can still you know, if if Derrick Henry is very heavily pri- like very high priced on a on a slate, but you have a guy like a you know McCaffrey or another another stud, but he's like a two thousand cheaper, people are gonna automatically flock to that guy that's two thousand cheaper, get the savings and go elsewhere, and it's gonna really depress the ownership of you know the top the top guy. Well, like Henry. Well, the thing is, Henry can still go off crazy any week. So it's very for me seeing that type of thing, it's very easy for me to, to instantly see Henry as leverage off of the $2,000 cheaper McCaffrey. Whereas in this, in this um, single game slate, as Pierre mentioned, you can, when you're building a lineup, it's so easy to get duped. So if you're playing a GPP, your whole goal is to finish first. If you, if you get duped by a thousand other people and you finish first, you're splitting with a thousand people. So your, your, you know, your EV is not, anywhere near as good as as it would be on like a normal slate okay all right i i i can understand i like the showdown modes and, and games because i don't have as many people to choose from so i like that and I, <laughs> that's just that's just me i can't talk myself into randall cobb in a captain spot i'm always looking for those booms like the cheapest boom i can find to be able to stick in that captain spot and i don't know if this week will necessarily be able to have that cheap boom in there because this week whenever you're building those contests over over on DraftKings or wherever you're going to build them you really have to differentiate differentiate yourself from the field and Pierre a perfect example of that is in our last DFS Dreamer uh, DraftKings contest that we had that very last week I finished last I don't know we had 12 or 15 people I finished last but I was only 12 points away from the winner if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken so we had a, such a small choices that everybody kind of chose the same. I t- I tried to differentiate myself a little bit, and I ended up in last place instead of first place, but it was only by 12 points. Well, that's what can happen. Like, 
I mean, you're looking at what just a couple games with that that last slate there, and I think we were all like, if you were last, you were within twelve. That means I think I was like ninth or so, and I was like within tenth or eleventh. But mm-hmm. it just it's such a slim margin of error. And I know we, we talked about this a few weeks ago because my, my wife had a sweat with the showdown between the Bills and the Chiefs. Um, she went and gave Davis as the captain. He went nuts, which was great. But we, we look at, you know, a $44,000 swing based off one catch from Nicole Hartman and the difference of her winning, you know, $44,000 to the 1500 that she won was a 0.7 between Hartman and Beasley. And so you're looking at a 1v1, and that's how close it is. Um, with her winning the 44, there was like eight or so folks, I think, that she had the same lineup as, whereas the BZ lineup, there was 20-plus. So those folks won like, I think, 3K, whereas her and her group uh, would have won 44,000. So that's how that's how the s- slim the margin of error is on showdowns. And for me, that's just tough. That's a little too much luck. I know luck's always needed. Mm-hmm. That's just a little too much luck for me in showdowns. Uh, you got to get the touchdowns, and you got to have the the right combination of guys. Uh, you can't have any misses. In in the main slates, you can you can have a miss or two here or there, still make a really good profit. You you can't really miss in showdowns. You got to have it all lined up the the best way possible when it comes to the outcome. Well, when I pay play diamond quarter contest, it really doesn't matter too much to me if I miss. So, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was looking at roster ship percentages and talking about getting a little bit different. And I, I always think, you know, hey, stick kickers in there if you're going to get a little bit different. But actually, everybody is thinking the very same thing. Matt Gay mm-hmm. and McPherson are both at like 91% roster ship right now. So everybody's thinking about doing that. Not necessarily in the captain spot, but they're all they're they're getting played. I, I don't know mm-hmm. uh, right now if you know where where they're getting played. They're all just utility workers right now is what it looks like to me. <laughs> then, then you got the two quarterbacks sitting there at third and fourth, Stafford and Burrow at 57 and 54%. Really interested to see Cooper Cup down here at fifth at 46%. He's getting played a lot, but not as much. And then, guys, it's a huge drop-off. I don't I don't know why the site has got Tyler Higby at sixth, but there are 28% of the people playing Tyler Higby, and that may be because there is a bunch of new people maybe playing a showdown lineup just to get some skills in the game to make the game a little bit more interesting on Sunday. Wouldn't you think that's the reasoning behind putting a Higby in the lineup, Rob? They just don't know what's going on? Yeah, it's possible for sure. Um, I'm really surprised by that, to be honest. Um, But, and especially, you know, it's not even, not even guaranteed he's going to play or not. So um, yeah, I I would expect to see that number kind of move as it goes, especially, um, if it is kind of, we get word that he's either going to be out or limited. So it'll be interesting to see how that, how that, uh, shakes out in a few days. Yeah. So uh, just looking at those things, uh, looking at all the different ones, especially since his backup tight end is like 7% rostered right now. Maybe these are just some early results and they haven't updated them yet or not, but Hey, up here, let me ask you this. You always Mm -hmm. talk about, you got to play Cooper cup, no matter what, (laughs) no matter what. No matter what. Now, are we putting Cooper Cup in our showdown captain spot this week? He's priced at seventeen four to be sticking in a captain spot. It seems like a pretty big price to pay for somebody who might, might not. We talked about the Bengal defense earlier. Might <laughs> not be able to hit that point total that we would want to get him at. I, I, do we have a point total in a in a in a showdown lineup? I mean, you really want just the uh, the highest scoring player. <laughs> In yeah. the game, that's who mm-hmm. you want in your captain spot. That's ultimately what it comes down to. 
the odds of him being that guy, I, I think, are the, the best. Uh, so he'll probably be pretty highly owned and rostered as the captain because he has the upside. Um, I tend to, I tend to get cute here and I try not to play those guys on showdown slates. And that could be why I'm not that successful because if he goes for like 40 and I'm screwed, but there's also the situation. I know like earlier in the season, it was a Thursday night game, McCaffrey. I think they were playing the, the jets and he got hurt like the first series. And so pretty much anyone who didn't have him in the captain's spot cash because they had someone else that actually played. So obviously you don't want Cup to get hurt, but you got to think about that. Like he's probably going to be the highest owned captain, I feel, uh, mm-hmm. throughout this whole slate just because of his consistency, his upside. He's, he's a target monster. So in order to get off of, of that and give yourself a little leverage, I personally feel the, the play is to go someone else besides Cup. That's not saying don't have him, you know, roster. You can still have him in your utility, your flex, whatever you want to call it there. But I, I think the, the way to get cute is to to not play him. And it's a risk because he can get you that 40. And, you know, once you get that multiplier, you're already behind the eight ball. But if he doesn't and someone else can outscore him and you have that person, then you're kind of setting yourself apart immediately. I've heard that the uh, the, the most profitable winner of the the showdown lineups is always sticking a wide receiver in that captain spot because they have the biggest boom potential as what i like to call it uh, i can't remember I, I tried to find it i know i've read that somewhere before whereas either 37 percent of the people or 39 percent of the times a showdown lineup wins it's because a wide receiver was in that spot so whenever i look at that i think about the cooper cups and i see his high point total then i got to switch over to jamar chase and think okay maybe he's going to be the guy this week going up against that 23rd ranked Rams defense at 15-6. But Rob, I, I think I trust Higgins and I like Higgins a little bit more if I'm looking to put a wide receiver in that captain spot because he's only at 11-4. And then, of course, I start talking myself into the real Randall Cobbs of the world. And I start thinking about Tyler Boyd, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And, um, you know, for reference, uh, I, I was going to throw out some some percentages, some projected ownership percentages in terms of the captain spot that I'm that I'm looking at, mm-hmm. um, and these come from Awesomeo. Um, Cup is by far projected to be the most, the highest that he's for a captain spot. He's at like 17.4 percent, and no one else is even at 10 percent. So Chase is next with 9.7. Higgins is 9.6. Um, so all three of those guys like you were talking about with the receivers and i think like you said it's it's the the fact that the receivers generally when they when they go off they go off more than a running back in 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 general just because obviously when you catch a pass obviously you can take it more yards generally than than what's going i mean obviously yards per reception are higher way higher than yards per carry so when you just think about it from that aspect they can catch bigger plays and get the bonuses, get the, the multi-touchdown games a little bit more, um, things like that. Like their boom games, like you said, are, are so much better. So when you're talking how P how Pierre said was talking about getting that, uh, getting that top scoring player, it's just, you know, that those guys are the guys that, uh, get the top score. So I like your call with Higgins and obviously other people are liking that as well as he's the third highest projected, uh, uh, captain right now and and for good reason i mean he he's his target share is just near chases and he's so much cheaper and it allows you to put him in there 
save some money, upgrade the rest of the lineup, and there's a very real chance that Higgins has the best game of any any of the receivers. Are both of those kickers at ninety one percent? So this one, this one has. And the, the, um, you're looking at captain, so I, 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 I wouldn't think anybody is sticking a kicker in the captain spot, but it may be. Yeah, <laughs> McPherson might might be able to put up some pretty good numbers in the captain spot. <laughs> so I'm looking at. So th- this one has um it has utility captain or it has utility captain and then total. Um, so Gay is at 21.6 total and McPherson 19.1 total, which that is much higher than than most um kickers are on most slates um you know i was i was doing some research and uh listening to some stuff earlier that talking about how putting both of them in is kind of gives you the ability to play cup at the captain while getting two high floor guys in mcpherson and gay and then in from the rest of that you can you can plug in stafford higgins and acres all in that lineup um but that that's the thing is that's probably Considering where you see the ownership percentages and the fact that Gay and McPherson are are both like being more heavily rostered than usual on slates, you can kind of project that that might be the most duped lineup in all of the showdowns. So that's the tough part. You feel good about it because you got the two high floor options. The rest of your lineup is nice, and you got Cup in the captain spot. But that's the thing is most people are going to feel good about that too, and that's why you're going to see even if you win, you might be splitting with a thousand other people. So for me, Pierre, whenever I am looking at trying to differentiate myself from sticking a Cup in that captain spot and going mm-hmm. in other places, I've already mentioned T. Higgins. Do you think mm-hmm. T. Higgins, Odell Beckham, or are you willing to take a shot on somebody else's receiver goes – Maybe not name Jamar Chase because he's still pretty expensive at fifteen six. <laughs> I mean, he can. That's the that's the name of the game. You, you got to take a chance. You you got to differentiate yourself. Get some leverage. So I mean, a boy, you can give a shot. He's not he's not getting the targets that you would want to see from someone. But if mm-hmm. it's his game, you never know. And like I said, I just mentioned the Gabe Davis situation. So in that same Buffalo Kansas City game, you had a Stephon Diggs. You had Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, big names. Uh, Gabe Davis turned around, you know, three, four touchdowns in that game. All of a sudden, he's the guy you needed in the captain spot. So if Boyd can somehow, you know, get in the end zone, he's got a little upside. He's, he's gotten some, you know, 23s, 19s, 20s. If he can have one of those games for the, the price tag that he's at, and it still allows you uh, to get some of those higher upside guys coupled with him, it could be worth the risk. Same for like a Van Jefferson. You know, he's down there. He's cheap. It's it's tough because, you know, Cup gets all the targets. Beckham's probably right there next in line. But he gets a couple deep balls and, you know, he breaks them free. You know, you might need Van Jefferson. It's it's not something you feel comfortable with. Like when you said it, you're going to be a little uneasy. But <laughs> sometimes those are the risks you just have to take if you if you do want to hit that that top 5% payout that most people are shooting for in, in GPP. Squarnick it is. That's what I'll do then. Squarnick it is. You boys have talked <laughs> don't, me. Don't do, <laughs> don't do that one. But I mean, those type of guys down there, that's going to be your leverage from the kickers because you look at the price range, you got the kickers and the defenses. A lot of people don't feel comfortable playing defenses. Uh, you might see the, the Rams in there just because the Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey factor. Some folks will play them in the captain spot just so they can take screenshots early on and lie to folks like they're making money. But in order to actually get off some of those kickers, I mean, if you feel like a, a Skronik's going to 
maybe have a big play. I know he missed a touchdown wide open yeah, deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he catches that ball. It's a little different. So, I mean, getting one of those cheap guys might work. Uh, it's dangerous, though, man. It's so dangerous because they can get you that zero, and that zero costs you when it comes to these showdowns. Yeah, it does. And and you you can go ahead and stick one of these zero guys in there, you know, hoping to get a big play like a Squirnik or something like that. But don't don't put two of them in there and then go like four <laughs> or three or three or four heavy ones uh, the rest of the way just to be able to sneak those because that's going to take you completely out of the game, completely out of the game. Mm-hmm. Rob, I, I think about the defenses, and I don't know which one is necessarily the, the more attractive defense to me. I know the Rams, like Pierre said, have got all those big names, and we're talking about sacks, and I, I know that Burrow takes a lot of sacks throughout the year, but he doesn't necessarily turn the ball over a lot uh, for a quarterback, for a young quarterback especially, and I don't always see the Rams getting those turnovers. But I'll tell you one guy who throws a lot of interceptions, and he's thrown a lot of interceptions over the years in his NFL career, is Matthew Stafford. And we saw him throw at least one last last time he played. I can't remember that far back. But if I see any team taking a pick six to the house, to me it's the Bengals. The Bengals have got a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, you pretty much nailed it with that, with that factor. I mean, I generally am always looking for pressure rates. Um, just because anytime you create pressure, um, it gives a more of a chance of the quarterback to get hurried, more of a chance of a sack, which gives you a point, more of a chance of a sack fumble, or if they're, you know, more pressure, more chance of throwing interception. So I do like the Rams better, uh, just because the line for, for the Bengals has, uh, been under duress a lot. And, but at the same time, the, the counterpoint that you mentioned is is Stafford, I think, threw more. I think he threw like four pick sixes this year, if I remember correctly. And I mean, that was like more than so many quarterbacks. I think it was the most in the NFL. So um, it's 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 definitely interesting. And, and as Pierre mentioned earlier in the, in the show about the Bengals have been, you know, really solid on defense, especially uh, second half in the playoffs. So um, I don't think they're a bad play either. I, I but if I if I did prefer one i do still prefer the rams just for the the pressure rate aspect all right well you're listening to the dfs dreaming of a baby bowl win podcast here on the fantasy impact today network we're mashing up a couple of different shows the dfs dreamer and of course the baby bowl podcast as well i'm wes easley one of your hosts at loafing it over there on twitter don't forget to follow rob the daddy of the baby bowl himself at norton 0723 on twitter and our good friend pierre who is the i i want to call him the captain of the DFS Dreamer podcast, Pierre. I'd put you in the captain spot uh, at Wee 31 over there on Twitter. Guys, when I think about these running backs, I- I'm going to be honest with you, I don't get real excited about any of them. Because Joe Mixon, Pierre, is going up against the Rams defense, who's really stout against the run, at least in my head. I think the mm-hmm. 49ers had tough sledding against them the last time they played. And I don't. Th- and, and being a rested defensive front, I can't see how the, the Bengals are necessarily going to be able to run it on the Rams. And then I look over at the Rams side of things, and I know everybody's going gaga and a great comeback story about Cam Akers. But what's he averaging, like 2.6 yards per carry? I just can't see the <laughs> volume being there to really be able to pay off for him to be able to be stuck in this one of these flex spot or utility spots. Tell me about these running backs, Pierre. Who do you like the most out of all four of these guys? It's tough because I, I think this is going to decide the baby ball. Uh, mm-hmm. I think running back's going to be where most of the struggle is going to be. Um, looking at the the chat, the group chat, kind of looking at myself a bit. Got a couple options, but I think that's going to be the deciding factor. And 
I'm interested because uh, you hear Rob kind of naming off the, the the captain ownership and all these receivers. And I mean, Joe Mixon's good. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. If if folks aren't going to be playing him, that's a good player. As we kind of mentioned from like a, a main slate perspective, that's a good football player that is going to be lower owned. That can boom. Like he can boom. And, you know, you see the Rams defense on the other side. Folks may not want to do it, but. I mean, he's had some some solid games against good defenses all year, so it's it's interesting. I, I think Mixon will be the the one because he also you know catches quite a few passes out of the backfield. They mix P Ryan in every once in a while, but you know Mixon still gets targets. He's gotten I think six out of his last uh, three games that he's played actively there since the playoffs. So Mixon's definitely the one. Uh, Acres, yeah. he he looked really good that first game uh, back, or I think the second game back. Uh, he looked good against the, the Cardinals there in that first playoff game. He had some bursts, 17 touches. Folks got excited. He ran into Tampa, really good run defense, so you got to keep that in mind. And then he didn't look too great, uh, I didn't feel, against the, the 49ers. Plus, he's banged up now, so got to monitor that situation. So I think Michelle's going to be interesting. I thought he played really well, you know, when he had the chance, when Henderson went down before Akers came back. So you got to keep that in mind. I wish they were a little more priced differently. <laughs> they got yeah, so close. Right. So I think DraftKings kind of took that into account as well. You know, $1,200, that's not too much, or 14 So I'm not going to probably do P-Ryan at all. I, I'm guessing that's the, the fourth one that you're, you're yeah. thinking about. I'm not really on him much. I, I, I wanted to throw something at the TV when he caught that touchdown pass against the Chiefs. <laughs> Uh, I think Mixon's the one uh, that I would probably lean, especially if no one's going to play. Yeah, P. Ryan uh, actually doesn't get any touches, doesn't get really any opportunities. He did get four targets in that Kansas City game, and he took one of them uh, all the way to the house, if I'm not mistaken. He had a total of three receptions for 43 yards, but the longest reception was 41 yards. So that was his <laughs> the other two were for like two yards, Rob. And I know whenever I look at this, I, I look at Samaji P. Ryan and, and the couple of lineups that I've built already throughout this last week, kind of playing around with it a little bit. P. Ryan floats in there real easy, but the more I've thought about P. Ryan, I'm like, okay, I'm not that impressed by him, and I love what you said, Pierre, because Joe Mixon is getting a million touches per game, whether it's uh, getting handoffs or whether it's getting reception. He mixed in all, all, all very well throughout that offense, like 20-plus touches a game, I think, Rob. What is he in that ownership projection for the captain spot? So for captain, he is at 8%, which I think is one, two, three, four fourth or fifth so it is a little bit under and it, and i mean it's kind of a glob in there because he's like he's at eight percent stafford 7.1 bro seven um odell's at 5.9 uh, acres at 7.6 so they're all like right in that range so well, that's the one thing i love what what uh pierre said about um those good players and a lot of times what happens is when they get the depressed um, roster percentage like that, it's because they're in a bad matchup. So everyone, everyone just automatically is like, "Well, it's a bad matchup. They they can't do it." So it, it really uh, and and while they while that's like good thinking from a median standpoint, like it's the most likely outcome is they might not do it. But if you give if you give any really good player like Joe Mixon twenty twenty five touches in a game, there's always a chance one of those he can get loose. So. Um, I, I, I agree. Like when you're playing, um, when you're playing, uh, 
you know, trying to get leverage off the field like that, you get, if you, you know, search for those good players that aren't in the best matchups, but they get a lot of touches. And those are the guys that really can give you leverage and still boom like that. So I, I definitely really like Mixon from a leverage standpoint in the captain spot. Bengals are married to the run, too, by the way. I, I was watching some of that Kansas City. Well, I watched all the Kansas City game. But at one point, I'm sitting there going, how many times are you going to run it on first down? How many times, Bengals? <laughs> I mean, they know what you're doing there. Kind of, switch it up. Change it. They're married to the run. And I think that whenever Samaji P. Ryan got those pass attempt opportunities, it was really on the third downs. Uh, maybe even a third and long situation or something like that. It it wasn't necessarily throughout the game. Uh, Mixon barely comes off the field. It feels like so. I like that Joe Mixon look there in the in there. Uh, guys, whenever I look at the quarterback, if you only had to pick one quarterback, which quarterback are you going to pick, Pierre? I'm going to ask you that question first because I know I know how you are, and I know you like that little <laughs> Joe Burrow swag a little bit. <laughs> I, I I love Burrow swag, but I, I'd actually go Stafford. And it's because he doesn't have Mixon. It's as simple as that. Like you mentioned, you just talked about it. They run the ball. You know, they they try to, you know, get you worn out. They continue to hand it off to Mixon. Or I feel like the Rams, you know, McVay, they like to throw it. So I lean Stafford for that reason. And I don't believe 45. I mean, he's getting 38, 40, 45. And to me, Rob, the Rams are married to the pass. It doesn't matter if they're up by 20, if they're up by 30, if they're down by 10, they're going to pass the ball all game long. Yeah, for sure. And that's what has me leaning Stafford a little bit as well. Um, it's super close. I mean, they're, they're both really good, but, but, you know, as Pierre mentioned with the, with, Nixon, he just kind of gets a lot more touches and more work. And especially if, if the Bengals can keep the game close or even take a lead at all, um, they definitely want to, uh, you know, establish the run heavy at that point. Um, so I could see Burrow outdoing Stafford if they, especially if they fall behind early, if they do fall behind early and the, the, and then the Bengals have to turn, cause we've seen it where if the Bengals fall behind a little bit, then they kind of put the ball in Burrow's hands a lot more. And that's what, been a lot of those games too where Mixon's getting more pass work and things like that but um that's that's a route that that could occur um but yeah I I think Stafford's a little bit safer and and a little bit better so I, I would prefer Stafford too a little bit it's always good to look at the stats instead of just going with your gut instinct because I, I don't I don't I, I now I'm curious as to how many plays Cincinnati runs seven out of the last eight weeks Burrow has had over 30-plus pass attempts. And a couple of those weeks, he had over 40. And he mixed in a 39, a 38, and a 37 in those weeks, too. So he, he's throwing the ball a lot, too. So I don't know, Rob. If, but I think it's more efficient numbers. That's, you know what I mean? Like shorter, closer air, air yards. And that's the thing is that over the last you know half of the season into the playoffs, you, you did see a shift that they started to go a little bit more pass-heavy. Some of it was, I think... Um, like you saw that one game, I think it was the game against the Ravens when the Ravens had just like fourth string uh, defensive backs out there and the Bengals just turned it loose. I think Burrow had like four or 500 yards or something like that, that, that game. Um, so that was part of that. But at the same time, they, I think they did, it was early in the season. They were definitely more run heavy than they are now. Part of that I think was, and it was part of the reason I kind of faded Burrow from a fantasy standpoint on a season long heading into the year because I, you know, he wasn't even a full year removed from a, a gruesome knee injury. So I kind of thought they would ease him back in at the beginning of the year. And it seems like that's what they did. And then they started turning him loose a little bit more 
as it uh, went down. And part of it, part of it was, I think, game plan. Part of it was him getting healthier, and part of it was uh, out of necessity in, in games they were falling behind. But um, so yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting. The air we've covered every gamut of this showdown lineup and talked about all these players except for the tight ends. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and and to me, the tight end situation is because you know Higby's hurt. I don't think Higby's going to play. Would you agree with that, Pierre? I agree. Uzama, they keep telling me that he's going to go out there, and I actually believe him. I actually think Uzama's going to go out there, and you know how I love the narrative of trying to get him a touchdown since he's going to be you know putting his body out there on the line. So I think Uzama might be able to actually find the end zone if they get towards the goal line and they're able to have some goal line plays there. Do you think Uzama will play? I don't know. I mean, they're making it look good, like he ripped off the whole knee brace and all that. But when you watch him, like, run around, high-fiving fans, he he had a, a limp, I felt, a noticeable limp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't practice today either, so that's concerning. Um, if he does, it, it could just be a grind it out. He wants to play in the, the Super Bowl, might be his only chance type thing. So I'd be very cautious of Lozano. Yeah, I think so too. They they were probably a little bit more cautious of him until they heard Gronk talking about Joe Burrow this past week, and they said, "Oh, we got Gronk potential here in Cincinnati. Go ahead, Uzama, let's go out there, let's roll it out there." But this Kendall Blanton, he he not only did he show up last week with five receptions on five targets, fifty-seven yards, a total of eleven DraftKings points, somewhere in that neighborhood. But if you remember the week before against Tampa Bay, he was the one who caught the touchdown pass, uh, which I thought was well, I was hoping it was going to go to Higby, but it ended, ended up going to Blanton instead we could be confident in playing Blanton not only in baby bowl but maybe even in these showdown lineups right here I think so I mean again you saw what happened when Higby went down you know he, he got five targets uh, caught all five for 57 so it helps to catch him uh, they're still going to try to get the the tight end involved there especially if Higby's out that's the key if Higby all of a sudden wants to trying to test it out himself, then, you know, it's a whole different ball game. You got Blanton, Sample, Higby, Uzama. That's just a, a crapshoot to me. But, yeah, if, if Higby's out, then Blanton's probably going to be probably going to be the main uh, tight end target there for the, the Rams. So you're going to have to consider him. And, again, he's had two pretty good games in a row, so they should have some confidence in him as well. We're playing Blanton over Sample, though, right? Here? Yes. <laughs> Okay, all right. I'm just making sure there. I mean, I, I saw Sample out there on the field too, and and Rob, he probably looked a little bit more like me out there on the field than a Gronkowski out there on the field when I was watching him. Uh, these tight ends, would you rather have a tight end playing in this showdown lineup or a kicker, Rob? I'm not going to ask you in the baby bowl because we're not going to go mm-hmm. down that road again, but uh, would you rather have a tight end or a kicker playing in these showdown lineups? Oh, gosh, I mean... It's got to be kicker, I think, at this point. I mean, with McPherson putting up what double digits for whatever amount of weeks in a row, and um, there is some some stuff with Matt Gay though that um, I had been seeing that he had tweaked tweaked his leg or something. I, I I don't know. I didn't really follow it too much. I didn't. I wasn't too like worried about it. But I I had seen it was more. I was listening to a podcast and someone was talking about how taking McPherson for the longest field goal for like a betting prop was like one of the, one of the best um, bets out there just because I think it was Matt Gay in in the last game or the game before when he tried to hit a 52 yarder and he came up way short um, and which was surprising. And and they were saying that he had tweaked his leg or something like that. And then they tried to do it again last week or or whatever. And he still couldn't uh, hit long field goals. So 
Matt Gay is a little bit concerning from that aspect. I, I mean, I, if you were going to put him in there in your, you know, showdown lineup, I would check on that his status a little bit before that. But I mean, those guys are just they seem like such they don't have a lot of a uh, high ceiling, but they have a much higher floor than any of those tight ends. Um, if you're trying to play those tight ends, you need I mean, really, for a boom week, you need two touchdowns, really. Um, which is so unlikely, but even even then, you need at least a touchdown because those guys aren't going to be high volume guys. Yeah, definitely. I do love the McPherson play, though. Uh, like you said in that prop bet, but I, I like playing him in a utility role too. And I've toyed around with putting him in the captain spot because you're talking about double digit points, like you said. I could see him easily because, to me, the Bengals play conservative. Play conservative. You know, they just hung around there in that Kansas City game until they were able to pull away at the end. And McPherson was a big part of that, where he was putting it through the uprights each and every time that he got an opportunity. Uh, he's had some DraftKings points the last, I don't know, uh, forever. He had 15, 18, 15, 11, 11. So he, he's been able to put up some points, definitely in utility spot for me whenever I'm looking at those cheap, cheap options, cheaper options. Not cheap, cheap, cheap options because I'm looking down here at Acres and I think I'm going to ad- accidentally end up sticking a wide receiver from the Rams in there named Acres at a $300 price level, Pierre. You know I'm going to end up doing something like that just because I can't ever keep things straight. <laughs> Is there some guy down here at the bottom, though, that if we were bottom fishing, that you would go, they really got the best shot at giving us some positive numbers in a flex spot, not necessarily in the captain spot? I know that's probably who we talked about earlier. That would be uh, Ben Skoranek. So he's on the field. He he gets targets here or there. Um, there's not a much. He might get one or two, but if he's running those deep routes, um, I think he's definitely someone you can consider uh, down in that range. Uh, the other one, probably right above him, um, Trent Taylor. Uh, he, he does a lot of the punt returns uh, for the, the Bengals. So if he can – you know, catch one, return it. Uh, hopefully, it gets called back up from the the practice squad. I believe he will be, but uh, I, I don't mind him. And then a, a punt, uh, really tough. But if if Higby's ruled out, everyone's playing Blanton. I, I don't mind uh, Bryson Hopkins as a, a punt down at two hundred out of Purdue. Uh, good pass catching uh, tight end out of college hasn't really been used a lot, so keep that in mind. But I mean, if Higby's out, all it takes is, you know, something to happen with a Blanton and all of a sudden Hopkins is the guy. So, uh, again, if Higby's out, I don't mind a shot on Bryson Hopkins. Uh, he's a talented uh, pass catcher out of Purdue. Uh, surely you do not have another name other than those names, right, Rob? <laughs> no, definitely definitely not. Um, I, I Those were, you know, Skoranek and, and uh, Taylor are the two kind of guys under 1,000 that I think would be – the only kind of realistic shots down there. Um, I like the Bryson Hopkins uh, call as well. If you're really, if you're really getting different um, just because he is more of a pass catching tight end than, than Blanton is Blanton. Blanton's a guy for sure that you would need, if you played, you need him to catch a touchdown. Um, so, and he's much, much more expensive and obviously for a good reason, cause he's on the field, he caught a touchdown. So, um, but the other thing that I, I always like, like to tell people too with the showdown slates is don't be afraid to leave a bunch of money out there too. Yes. That's um, how you can as, differentiate yourself. Yep. Yeah. As a way to get different because, you know, I was just playing around with it and the, the lineup I was talking about earlier with cup at the captain, then Stafford Higgins acres and the two kickers that that gets you exactly the money. Um, people are going to love that one because it, like I was mentioning before, you get, you get acres, Stafford Higgins cup and the two kickers and your money 
works out exactly even. People will love to get to try to, you know, spend as much money as they can, and rightfully so on most slates. But I think it is a definitely, obviously, on on this slate, on any slow, showdown slate, it's you know an easy way to get different is to just leave a thousand dollars or leave six hundred dollars out there because um, most people don't feel comfortable doing that. So that's always <laughs> something to do. No, you're absolutely right. They don't. It makes me feel like I'm dirty. It makes me feel like I'm yeah. doing something wrong. Like I didn't, I didn't squeeze enough juice out of this here orange. Is what I was. Is what it feels like. I'll also mention Daryl Henderson Jr. And I do love the narratives whenever an injured player comes back. If he comes off the IR, that they like to reward somebody for that. Uh, and I could see him getting that touchdown. He's 2400. If I'm going to try and get a little bit different, that IR spot or tag always makes people shy away from somebody. And he, he's put up numbers throughout the year. You know how Sean McVay likes to mix and match things. I'm not going to say he's going to get a lot of touches, but I just think that they like to reward somebody who gives an effort to come back for the team to play in the Super Bowl. I, I like that kind of narrative. Maybe I am just an old softy now at this point, guys. Maybe that's what it is. All right. Uh, how do we want to do this? How, how, how are we going to build this captain lineup here that I have in front of me? Do you guys want to take turns? Do you want to debate over who we're going to stick in the captain spot? What do you, what do you guys want to do? Yeah, it doesn't matter. We can take turns. Okay. Uh, well, then, uh, who who are we going to stick in the captain spot? Let's all three of us try to figure out who we're going to put in the captain spot. Uh, I, I boys, I really liked whenever whenever you told me about the roster ship percentage of Joe Mixon because I think Joe Mixon is one of those boom guys. Whenever I sit there and look at these guys, I go, okay, who's gonna who might be able to give me twenty to thirty points DraftKings wise on Sunday? Who's gonna who has that high upside? And we know Joe Mixon does because he can get the end zone. I like Joe Mixon. I'm voting Joe Mixon in the captain spot. That's what I'm doing. Pierre? We can roll with it. We can roll with it. My my yeah. follow up if we do that is do we do we add Burrow or do we leave him off? Ah, uh, I don't know if the game narrative allows us to put Burrow in there if we're going to be thinking out how this game might be able to pay, uh, play out then. Yeah, that's that's my thought. So if Mixon goes off, like what are the odds that Burrow also goes off? I know he catches passes, but if we're going Mixon in the captain, then I I probably go down and, and go the opposite and and go in with like a, a Stafford Cup. Okay, does it sound good, Rob? Stafford? Yeah, Cup? I. I was gonna say that's what I was thinking. If you go Mixon and the captain, uh, go with Stafford Cup as two of the flex. Okay, we've got forty-four. We got thirteen-two left. We have an average number of forty-four hundred left for each player. We got to save some money somewhere down in here. If if Mixon's there, isn't the direct correlation then to be able to stick the kicker in in the defense or one or the other? Which which one do you think, Rob? So I'm always torn. Um, in terms of, I've I've always found that this is this is going to sound really counter counterintuitive, but I've always found that the running back and the the running back correlates highly to defense if you're looking for median outcomes. But if you're looking for boom outcomes, running backs and defense are negatively correlated because just because when you're looking for a a, a boom a boom outcome from a defense, what are you looking for? You're looking for pick sixes, return touchdowns. Any you know any kind of special team touchdown, and anytime that happens, that's taking away a possible touchdown from the offense. Um, if that can, if that kind of makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't like personally. I'd rather put McPherson if we're talking about putting a um, putting a 
um, to correlate with with Mixon. So I'd prefer Mix or Mixon and McPherson from that standpoint. If that makes sense to you guys, it makes yeah. sense to me. Do you agree, Pierre? I do. I do. So that gives us Captain Mixon, Cup, McPherson, Stafford uh, leaves us an average of about forty six hundred. Now, look, something else I've been thinking about and toying around with as I've looked at these showdown lineups is a lot of people will talk about going three and three, you know, three Rams, three Bengals, or uh, two to five, or, uh, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> two to four, or five to one. Or five we get to an one. extra player, I'm winning all the money. <laughs> uh, so whenever I look at this, if I'm going to differentiate myself, I'm kind of thinking I need to go like a little four-two mixture instead of a three or three, you know? I don't, I don't know. I'm just thinking about people on the sidelines who, just another thought in there, not necessarily something that we have to do. But Pierre, who do you think we should stick in there on our next flex spot? This is this is tougher because you you want to have you want to have players that are going to play. Yeah, when yeah. you got forty six hundred left, it, it starts to get tough to to have players that are going to play. No, you're right. I, I, so we we got we got Stafford, we have Cup. I would lean another Rams pass catcher based off the mm-hmm. script. It seems like we're building. Because uh, if Mixon, if he really goes off, you, you're probably going to expect the Bengals to be ahead, the, the Rams to have to throw the ball, which they do anyways from behind. So the, the question for me would be Blanton or Van Jefferson? Well, to me, Van Jefferson, I don't. I've been I've been so disappointed by him, and maybe another week off will make him healthier to be able to run those streak routes or and, and those deep passes like we know Van Jefferson can handle. But man, mm-hmm. he he just he's he's not put up any DraftKings numbers the last five weeks, four weeks. Uh, just really hasn't produced any. I'm 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 game for whatever. You two are the guys who I trust with all this stuff. You've been able to walk me through things, uh, but I well, it's I don't tough know because I I think Van Jefferson has higher upside than Blanton. And I think if Higby's ruled out, everyone's going to play Blanton personally. Okay. Right. That's kind of how I see it as well. There is so, a, there, there's, there is a, a crazy option. Not, 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 not too If you try to jam Odell in, that gives you 800 left and you could throw that Ben Skoranek 600, and then you got the, then you'd have the Matthew Stafford, Cup Beckham Skoranek triple stack with the Mixon McPherson, with yeah. the idea, with the idea, with the, just going from the game theory that Mixon yeah. booms, the passing game on the on the Cincinnati side fails, and and then Stafford just goes crazy in a game where they're trying to catch up, but, um. I haven't explored too much from the from the uh, Van Jefferson or Blanton side yet. I was trying to plug those in to see what it would leave you. It's looking like you would. So kinda... here's where I'm at. So you look at you look at Jefferson. You're you got enough if you want to go double kicker. You could go to to Matt Gay as well. Mm-hmm. Jefferson and Gay. Jefferson played 87 percent of the snaps the last game. Still, if you go Beckham, uh, he's obviously on the field. He's obviously their number two target. Skoranek played. 27% of the, the snaps. So that's what you're looking at. You're looking at Beckham for sure. You know he's going to get the volume. And then a, a Skoranek as a boom bust. Or you can go with Jefferson, who's on the field. He's not getting the targets, but he's on the field. And then the the other kicker is pretty much what it comes down to, I feel. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to say, I'm 
indifferent about those two. I like I like both of those two options. So, what are you thinking, Wes? Well, I th- I think that whenever we're talking about those last two options, trying to go okay Beckham, or do we go Gay and uh, uh, the tight end, or do we go Beckham and Squardick? I look at the Beckham Squardick one as being the higher boom total. You know that that I'm talking about that I'm looking for. Maybe if we're playing a GPP, we're looking at that boom total. And if we're going into a 50-50 contest, we're looking more at that gay and tight end situation that we were talking about. Yeah, right. it could be. Um, the only thing I, I, I tossed in is, so what are the odds? What are the odds that Beckham and Jefferson are the same type of points versus what are the odds that gay and Skoranek are the same? Right. I think that's, that's I think that's the outlier. So I personally think I like my odds better of Jefferson and the kicker outscoring Beckham and Skarant personally. Right. And that's what that's 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 where I think where like I I think where you guys are making sense where and how um how West made sense because it is it is more likely when you're looking at like a median outcome, most mm-hmm. likely outcome that that those two will give you something more useful combined than than uh, Skoranek, who will probably probably give you basically nothing, um, and Beckham, and that's where Wes was talking about the Skoranek and Beckham one could have the more boom mm-hmm. if you're if you're thinking if if Skoranek does happen to catch one one of those deep passes or one of those big plays and Beckham has a big game. Um, but yeah, I I do agree. Like from the from the median standpoint, the most likely outcome is the Jefferson Jefferson and and Gay is kind of the more likely um, safer outcome. Okay. All right. Well, listen. I'll tell you what we should do. <laughs> I'm gonna build one of each. <laughs> there you go. There you which, go. which one are you rolling with, Rob? Are you did you did you see another one you were torn? I liked your I liked your double kicker uh, type of thing too going on too, Rob. I like that one. Bro. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna toy around with both of them. I, we've given everybody a lot of different options and a lot of good mm-hmm. good. I know I know we said the four two, but you could technically get Boyd in there with Gay mm-hmm. as well if you want it. Boyd over Van Jefferson, just an option, but. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, and no, you're right because I I've been thinking about Boyd all week long, and and I'm going okay, dude. You're thinking about Randall Cobb again, man. Just just chill out, <laughs> just chill out. But then when I think about Uzama not being in there possibly or being fully healthy, I think that th- this is the last game of the year. This is the Super Bowl. You're trying to win everything that you possibly can. Uh, and Tyler Boyd has been with that organization for such a long time, and he was one of those names that we always recognized. He's always come through. He's always played for that team, especially when the times got tough in Cincinnati. It was Tyler Boyd, man, and and you want to reward somebody like that. And last year, if we go all the way back to the Super Bowl, whenever you think about it, who were the two players that ended up winning people uh, different showdown lineups? And I, I, I was guilty of it because I won some showdowns down lineups last year because I said Gronk did not come out of retirement to not catch a touchdown pass, but he was the veteran, right? He was the veteran. And who was uh, Antonio Brown caught a touchdown? You know what I mean? Like these mm-hmm. guys are the old school guys. These guys are the guys with the connection to that quarterback. And and now listen, it, Joe Joe Burrow doesn't have that connection, but I just think that to reward the city, I, I could I could paint so many different narratives. You see how I'm alone in the bread <laughs> truck and I've got these voices in my head. See how it's happening. <laughs> But like, no, without without instead of sample, they got to they got to yeah. go to somebody that's going to produce, and I think Boyd is going to be that guy instead of sample for those little tight end uh, type of hitches and stuff mm-hmm. like that that they need to produce to get first downs. Yeah, I think we gave right. we gave we gave everybody the goods. They have options. 
That's what they need was options. <laughs> we got them in a good spot to, to make some money. I think so, too. Hey, good job, fellas. And, and as always, I know I told you guys this the last time we talked, but I do appreciate both of you so much for making time uh, here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network to give us your knowledge, to give us your wisdom, to help me become a better builder of these different lineups and everything. Uh, and I've always appreciated your time and your effort in, in getting prepared for the show. Pierre, I extend that courtesy out to you first. Uh, I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. It's been fun. Uh Working with you for a couple of years now. We got a little streak going, so it's been a pleasure. And it's nice to sync up with, with Rob as well. We have a lot of the same, you know, common thoughts. So it's good to bounce ideas off each other. So I just appreciate it. I love being a part of the community, uh, working with two excellent gentlemen uh, who are doing things for this world. So I, I give my thanks to both of you. And he is Pierre over on Twitter at Wee 31 on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. Give him a follow over there. It's always a, a good thing to be able to do it. And you can, you can give him a hard time whenever he starts posting his wife losing all that money on those uh, showdown lineups. We should have had her building us a showdown lineup. You don't need to give had. me a hard time. That was a hard enough time. <laughs> hey, tell, tell her, by the way, tell her that I've heard some rumors about Devontae Adams maybe coming to the Bears, too, okay? Just tell her I heard oh, that. Boy, I'd like to stay married <laughs> if you don't mind. So. <laughs> and, Rob, I am glad uh, to some degree that you did not record tomorrow night because tomorrow night is your wife's birthday. So she may mm-hmm. be in line for a big baby bowl victory on Sunday as you try to give her all your little tips and pointers about how to build winning baby bowl lineups this next week. And I could see her getting some inside information. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we got we got a a dinner plan, so so we'll we'll see what we we can do. And yeah, she's she's uh hopefully she can uh, build out a good lineup. She has some better options than I do left, so she you never know she may pass me up here at the end and uh, have the have the bragging rights for all, all the off season. But um, yeah, but anyway, you know, thank you for everything. It's been it's been another great year this year, and uh, I appreciate everything you do uh, every week having me on, and it's always fun to talk talk football with you talk baby ball talk talk dfs and uh i second you know everything pierre said and it was awesome you know linking up with pierre again uh we we always uh we talk in the dms and and things like that bounce ideas off each other so um it's it's definitely a, a pleasure of mine I had no idea how much our circles crossed whenever we got into all this stuff together about two years ago. Or anything. I had no idea. You guys were talking before the show about some baseball draft room that you guys are in together and drafted things. I'm going, what in the world am I, what am I in here for? What am I doing here? I don't know. No, but it is a pleasure, Rob. I appreciate you so much being the daddy of the baby bowl and taking care of all those things. At Norton0723 over there on Twitter, I think we're going to end up having to get together again. And when I win next week and I end up being the superior man in the baby bowl playoff edition left for the championship round, I cannot wait for that to happen, Rob. I, I am putting all my eggs into this basket this week of being able to have bragging rights over everybody, everybody in that chat. So that's what I'm planning on doing, Rob. And we all know how that's going to end up. So anyway, <laughs> but I do appreciate it. I appreciate everything you both of you do. And as always, we want to encourage every single one of you out there to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 